This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, the 4th of July, 2021. Today in the program, live events as touring approaches uh, coming back. We have ratings to talk about. A weird rating for Impact. We have AEW Dynamite coming back to its normal time slot. WWE Raw approaching all-time lows. Stuff about SmackDown to talk about with the overnight and the finals. We have a net promoter score study. It's another quarter that has come to an end. And we have another NPS set of results to discuss. We have Google Web Search results for the month of June to go over. And some information about Bushi Road, its sports division involving New Japan stardom, and the new Japanese company, Gleet. Some financial information about that company as well. All that and more today on the program. But first. And now, joining us from my South by Southwest, from the mean streets of South Buffalo, everyone's favorite ring announcer and XPW glorifier, Chris Colo, joins us in the program to talk about the week's events. Hello, Chris Colo. Hello. I don't know about XPW glorifier. I mean, it's I... because of you, is it not? That uh, <laughs> it might be my fault. It might be. That Rob Black is back trying to, I don't know if he's sincere or not, but telling the world he's going to bring all these canceled wrestlers back into whatever the business. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Ash and myself, we did four episodes on XBW for our podcast, Rediscovering Indies, and now XBW apparently is coming back, according to Rob Black. He actually was tweeting at us yesterday, said we should have went to him for more information, and uh, he could have debunk some of the stories of you, you did not do your journalistic due diligence by seeking out this uh individual i think we just had, I, uh, listen we did nine hours on what we had out there i didn't think we needed more source material uh but uh the 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 you know he uh maybe we'll do a special episode with him mm. that's that's what he wants so well anyway we've um the, the month has passed. We are now in July, and uh, we have surpassed 125 patrons. We now have like 100, 130 or something. Uh, so we all, but we, so we've um, we are. I don't know if we we are getting a, an award from the Brass Ring Leadership Program at WWE, a real program, by the way. Uh, but we did get some feedback this week that I don't think you're aware of that I've uh, I've, I've withheld. But I've seen, uh, because I'm, I'm a, a member, I guess, a patron. Not really, though. I'm sort of the, the creator. But uh, a comment on our, uh, I think, on the notebook uh, post this past week, which was for this podcast uh, last week. Uh, I won't name this individual and out him. I will protect his identity. He's not giving his approval to, uh, to reveal his identity. But he, this is the feedback that he wrote to us. I don't love to be this guy. But my wife's from the UK. I used to live there, so I figure I will be. Feedback from Mr. Gullo. England is not the same as the UK, and you'll upset people by making that mistake. In this case, one of the shows he referred to as being in England, quote-unquote, is in Glasgow, which is in Scotland, not England. Bonus points if you want to pronounce it Glasgow, as I just did. And not Glasgow, like a damn dumb yank. He didn't. He didn't say dumb yank. I did. Well, as we are here on the Fourth of July, the anniversary of the United States oh, yes. getting their independence from Great Britain. Was it called I Great Britain apologize. at the time, or was it just called England at the time? I think it was Great Britain. But I do apologize for anybody in the United Kingdom that I offended. Mm-hmm. I try to. Uh, I know there's a difference, and. You know, we all make mistakes. But you just you live in America, and you think America is the biggest country in the world, and 
That's the most important one, right? Yeah, that, that's why I want to retire in 30 years outside of the country. <laughs> okay. Well, just saying, if if Bali Pro Wrestling happens, I'm probably the guy behind. What's it. Bali Pro Wrestling? That will be my wrestling promotion. I start in Bali when I'm retired and where's Bali living on an island? Where's Bali? In Indonesia. Indonesia. Indonesian pro wrestling. Yeah, there's no pro wrestling in Bali. And talking to my good friend at WrestleMap, it doesn't look like there's really any regular uh, promotion in Indonesia either. Well, that's uncharted territory. You could you could get in there first. Um, we discussed. We had many issues trying to set up this podcast today on the Fourth of July. You have to leave within about an hour and a half from now, right? Or maybe before that. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, what is our time a, constraint? Uh, by four. We just got to end by four because then I'm getting ready to go somewhere that's like half an hour away and the thing starts at five. So I had negotiated earlier in the week the possibility of recording live and in person since we record this podcast remote, even though we live about, I don't know, a 20 minute drive away from each other. Um, did not realize as I was having that conversation with you that this day that we record Sunday is the 4th of July and you, like any other normal human being have have plans uh i do not really have plans i don't really like to do things so it did not occur to me my my mother-in-law has a giant swimming pool so that's 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 the selling point for me i'm going are you going to eat any vegan hot dogs today uh beyond burgers beyond burgers okay there are some vegan hot dogs in the fridge here for me Uh, i find it hard to find the of quality vegan hot dog I'm going to try the Upton's brand today, I think. I think that's what's going to happen. We should have a vegan hot dog eating contest. That, that should be interesting. It'll be a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> yeah. I think it kind of goes against the uh, the ethos of the veganism and the minimization of con- con- consuming <laughs> to then consume high portions of hot vegan hot dogs. But anyway, uh, what do you want to talk about today, Chris Gala? <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, we are in July, and it is heating up, literally, and also, figuratively, as far as live events for wrestling, is there's going to be a lot of events happening uh, this summer, and uh, you have, uh, of course, your live ticket update. What are some of the highlights of the live shows that will be going on uh, from, you know, July to September here? Well, we really have to credit WrestleTix, which I mentioned, I think, last week. They have a Patreon Russell ticks. Uh, this person is going through again, just using a, a script to count the dots. Um, and things, when we first started talking about this, things did not look good. At least that was my takeaway. Things look okay. Um, SummerSlam, as we talked about earlier, is doing really well. SummerSlam, uh, 95% tickets distributed. We won't say tickets sold because we don't know what portion of those tickets are actually sold or maybe it includes comps to some degree, but probably the vast majority of, of tickets distributed are tickets that have been sold. Um, but by far the biggest event, SummerSlam in Las Vegas, August 21st, hometown of Nick Khan, over 37,000 tickets distributed, 97% sold. Um, we have, let's just talk about the first events that are coming up in the return to touring. Uh, the first one will be AEW Dynamite in Miami, Florida, uh, they've changed the configuration a number of times. They're about two thirds distributed. Uh, they, that means about 300,000 or 300, 3,000, 300,000, 3,200 tickets sold. So to give you the idea of how big is a dynamite going to be here in this era, at least in Miami, we'll talk about another, uh, dynamite setup that they've got, uh, the following week, but 3,200 is the tickets distributed for Miami at the moment. They've got, about 1,400 tickets still to sell if they can. Ring of Honor will do its best in the world. I think that's a pay-per-view, right? In Baltimore, July 11th. Over 400 tickets sold. They still got over 200 to sell. I should say, I should say distributed, not sold. Um, but then AEW Dynamite on July 14th, they will do two dynamites before, um, before, right? Yes. They will do two dynamites before WWE does its first live events uh, in front of fans again. So on, on the 14th at Cedar Park, Texas, I can't remember if that's outside of Dallas or outside of Austin, that is basically sold out. Over 4,000 tickets sold there. Um, and then we got, uh, we don't, I don't have the, um, the SmackDown in Houston because that is a, uh, 
that is an access, I think, and not a Ticketmaster. But those are doing pretty well. Last I looked, Dallas uh, for for the Raw, the first Raw in front of fans, six thousand six hundred. Uh, that's o- over eighty-one percent of the tickets are distributed for the Raw in Dallas. House shows, things like uh, Pittsburgh, that's seventy-five percent distributed. Louisville, under fifty percent distributed. I've heard the talking point that uh, you know AEW is actually outselling WWE in some of the same markets. In Charlotte, that is true. Uh, at last count, which is a, as of a couple days ago, AEW in Charlotte, which is a dynamite taping, four thousand three hundred and forty-one tickets distributed. Compare that to the Super Show. Okay, a house show. We're comparing a house show to a dynamite. So take that into consideration. But the WWE Super Show in Charlotte on August fourteenth. 3,964. So a few hundred more tickets are out for Dynamite in Charlotte versus the Super Show House Show in Charlotte. Um, yeah. Uh, so how close is it with Pittsburgh? Because I know that was another one uh, that was rumored question. to Pittsburgh have, is weird like, because there's there's Dynamite and, and Rampage, and then there's a combo ticket offer. Yeah. So... I guess what you could do is just cut the combo uh, inventory in half and, and assign each half to Dynamite and Rampage. So let's take the higher one, Dynamite. Dynamite's at 3,400. If we set about uh, 5,000, there's about 1,000 combo sales. Let's say about 500 of them go to Dynamite. That, that puts us at about 3,900 for Pittsburgh uh, versus what's the house show for Pittsburgh? 5,400. So now the house shows, I would say, is doing better. Now, granted... The house show is sooner in the future than, than the Pittsburgh. So we're talking about the, the W house show is on July 24th. Uh, AEW in Pittsburgh is August 11th. In August 11th, I think it's 13th. I got the, got the wrong date here in our notes, but I think that's what it is. So it's a, it's a couple weeks apart. So you would think that the, the shows that are nearer in the future, uh, are further along in their, in their sales process, you could say. Okay. And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Have they put tickets on sale for the Arthur Ashe Stadium yet? They have not gone on sale yet. Yeah. Pretty sure they have not. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I'm, th- th- that I'm going to pay attention closely, especially since they are in new work, which they already re- had an, it's a rescheduled event, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how much that would affect ticket sales with that. Yeah. The, the new work show for AEW has, now this is a show that they, started doing ticket sales for before the pandemic. Over 10,000 tickets, 10,400 have been distributed for that event. So that is going to be among AEW's biggest, you know, most attended events ever. That's not until September 15th, uh, Dynamite in Newark. All right. Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts on all this uh, ticket? Uh, Tickets go on sale for Arthur Ashe on July 16th. So that's not until... What, what day of the week is that? That is not until next, next week. That's two Fridays from now. Uh, not until. Okay. And then, um, WWE officially confirmed that they are going to Madison Square Garden in September. Um, the UK events, I believe the, the London, which is going to be raw, is basically sold out. Cardiff is at 93% distributed, but Glasgow, not Glasgow, the home of Glasgow. Drew McIntyre. Uh, I don't know if that's his home, but Scotland is is is, is where he's from. Sixty-two uh, percent, only sixty-two percent distributed. Uh, so that one not doing as well as Cardiff at ninety-three percent and Newcastle at eighty-five percent. Okay. Uh, and uh, you have uh, another thing as you sent me all the charts and everything, Brandon. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence, which we've talked about this show briefly, because it's the venue that you're that they're using. I'm just fascinated because it's like the front of the Coliseum. Yeah. So this is. is this, I, I don't. I don't know. Is this the same uh, venue that WWE ran in? Uh, <laughs> for WrestleMania Seven, the LA Coliseum. We're talking about here. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the arena they were supposed to run, but then they went with the LA Sports Arena. Well, bomb security threats. There were bomb remember. threats. Yeah, but, yeah. Sergeant Slaughter had so much heat that they had to move to a different uh, arena, right? So this is, the Coliseum yeah. was supposed to be like this uh, stadium type venue. 
Or is that the word the yes, Raiders? And it is like the they have like USC football and yeah, they and the the Chargers and Rams played there until their new stadiums were built. Well, the Rams did, the Chargers did not. Uh they played in like a soccer stadium. But nonetheless, the so the the venue itself for the New Japan show is the front entrance of the Coliseum, and they're like turning that into like a concert venue. It's really interesting, like but it's it's really hard to explain. <laughs> is this like uh, how Madison Square Garden has the Hulu Theater as part of it? Yes, but outside. Wait, so this is an outdoor venue that New Japan is running? Yes. Like this part of it. Yeah. And now I know we're talking about a football stadium, but but the part of it that New Japan is running, is that covered or uncovered? While you look that up, uh, they have distributed for this New Japan Resurgence show in Los Angeles, August 14th, 1,581 by Russell Tick's last count. That was as of Thursday. Uh, so that's 70% distributed uh, compared to all, all these percentages that I'm reading off to, by the way, are the percentage of the current configuration, which could change uh, in wrestling. There's usually... I don't know about this New Japan show, but there's often big stages that take out thousands of, t- of seats and those uh, configurations can change. And sometimes they hold back seats because they're not sure if they're going to need them for the setup. And as the event gets closer, sometimes they release a few more seats as they realize they can release uh, more. So from the website, uh, the torch, uh, that LA, uh, the torch of the LA Coliseum, it's a 5,000 capacity performance venue Flexible up to ten thousand set on the doorstep of an uh, of the LA Coliseum, um, located in Expo Park near uh, downtown LA, with convenient access to the Metro E Line and Coliseum parking lots. So, uh, I'm trying to, I, it, I believe it's outside. I want to look at images, and I can tell you from images. Let's see here. I mean, that looks to be an outside venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll actually, uh, I will send you. But it looks like inside the stadium. It's very, it's very confusing. <laughs> okay, yeah. so this is what they want it to be. Okay, here. So I don't think this venue has held anything yet. This is going to be the inaugural event. At the, I don't at the know torch. if that will be the inaugural event, but I feel like it's just starting to have. I mean, I could be wrong, but like, because the picture I found, it looks like a mock up of what it would look like. And I'm going to send it to you. An artist's rendering. Yeah, an artist rendering of like a what a little Wayne concert would look like there. Let's see if that worked. Yeah, there we go. That is indeed a little Wayne concert. It de- it definitely looks outdoors. <laughs> yes. Whatever whatever we're looking yeah. at here, there's like an overpass and and a bunch of little flags and people rocking outside. Definitely looking well, so outdoors. Yeah, I mean, it, that overpass is the entrance to the Coliseum. I see. Okay. So yeah, it's it's pretty much. Just hold, putting a wrestling ring in front of a football stadium. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I guess what we're seeing here is, is in, in terms of uh, WWE's events real quick, that the house shows are not doing as well, which is in line with what we saw pre-pandemic, that the house shows did not have as much demand. You know, a house show has probably not sold out in decades. Well, maybe some international stuff has. In any event, uh, a, a Detroit is... About half distributed uh, out of they've sold almost five thousand tickets as of last count for for the Detroit Super Show. Uh, Chicago for Raw though, uh, more than eight thousand tickets distributed, about twenty two percent left. Uh, yeah, so I think that gives you an idea of of how it's going. It's not um, the TV events doing okay, right? The house show's not doing that well, but you can get tickets to most of these events if you want to. It's, uh, I, I mean, I haven't studied what other sports ticket sales are like as we return to live events in, in the United States, but, uh, I've heard people just at least anecdotally say that you can't get tickets to anything right now. You can, you can get tickets to, to basically everything except for, uh, AEW Dynamite in Cedar Park, Texas right now. Yeah. I, I think that you can't get tickets to anything qualifies for really like concerts and stuff like that. And a lot of stuff that was rescheduled because those tickets are going to like previous people. I know that I had to get pre-sale for a concert because I was afraid of, of it being sold out. So what, what, what concert are you going to? 
you will make fun of me. I won't make fun of you. The listeners might. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Limp Biscuit. Are you yes. are you going with our friend Vince, Vince McMahon? That's one of his favorite bands, I think. <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna be uh, going to the Rapid Cedar in Niagara Falls, but uh, maybe uh, maybe I'll see him there. Yes, he might be busy that day. <laughs> in it, any is, it is a Monday, so <laughs> he might be busy. Ratings. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get right into it from live events yeah. to ratings. Uh, we'll start with the uh, SmackDown overnight viewership from the uh, July second episode. Uh, it came in at one point seven four million viewers. It did go against the Stanley Cup final game uh, with the Canadians and the Lightning on NBC, but there was no NBA game. And if the final rating, which will come out Monday, is up six percent as it's been lately, uh, that would mean about one point eight four million among the lowest. For SmackDown on Fox and SmackDown was preempted in some markets uh, because of the Yankees Mets game. And you could also talk people out of town for 4th of July. I mean, you can keep going down the list and list the, the uh, you know, 24 seven gas station down the street, you know, lots, yeah. <laughs> lots of things to deter people away from watching it was, SmackDown. It July. was sunny that day. There was a baseball game on, you know, people were thinking about basketball. Basketball is real exciting right now. Uh, the ticket sellers didn't, didn't sell enough effing tickets, you know, the usual, uh, so I don't. I did have some people tell me in the replies that they did not have the broadcast. I think I imagine this is in the New York City area. Obviously, the the, the Yankees and Mets game was on Fox. Apparently, um, so maybe that has something to do with it. This, this would be this would be among the lowest. I think you just read that. This would be among the lowest uh, in the history of the of SmackDown's yeah. run on Fox. Of course, not counting the FS1 preemptions that were like under a million. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens on Monday when we get the the last number. Um, let's, let's just talk about the impact. I'll bring it up. Let's just talk about the impact number, okay. which is very strange. Uh, I saw this number and, and, and the number is 69,000 viewers, the total. Um, that would be the lowest in the history of impacts run on access. Impact has been on access since December 31st, 2019. Um, the previous low is I think something like 78,000. Okay. So this would be. By a decent margin, the lowest ever. Um, we've got it here on the table. 21,000 was the number for the, the demo, which is not the lowest ever. Would not be the lowest ever, but would be um, like the third lowest ever. Um, this also, let's, uh, let's set the table here. This also had Kenny Omega on television, not just on television, but wrestling in a match in the main event. Six-man tag. He wrestled, uh, he teamed with Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows against, what was it, Tom, Sammy Callahan, Tommy Dreamer. And someone else, Chris um, Saban. Thank you. Um, was it Moose in that actually? Maybe it was Moose, and not yeah, Tommy. Maybe Dreamer. Moose instead of Dreamer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, as it turns out, I guess there were some issues with the guide. So if you pulled up your, t- your TV's program guide, there were a lot of systems, including Directv. I've heard also Comcast customers say that they saw something like setup or sign off uh, as what was in the slot for impact, if not uh, in the, in the slot for all of access the entire day. So that could have now granted the number we're talking about here is live in same day. It's not included any DVR viewership. I understand there were issues with the DVR recording. My sling recorded it. No problem. I was able to go and, and look, look at what, what was on the show. Uh, but, but a number of people, including direct TV customers saying that their DVR did not record it. Uh, this is live, live plus same day. So this would only include people who watched it as it happened or within a few hours of when it happened. Now, granted that all of this, uh, confusion that people were seeing in their guys may have discouraged live viewership. It may be the reason why this number was abnormally low. The previous week did 110,000, uh, viewers. And I believe the week before that did, the, did an identical number, 110,000 or 111,000. Uh, however, that doesn't completely explain. Now we're dealing with small samples, so maybe there's some volatility here. Uh, but the, so I, I, I'm, I don't know, I don't have recent quarter hour information, uh, for entire programs, but I've been told that the, the second hour of impact is often less viewed than the first hour. That's usually the trend. You would think that if something was going to buck that trend, though, maybe it's a Kenny Omega match. Kenny Omega did have a match on Impact Wrestling. His only other match on the weekly program. He's had a number of matches on pay-per-view. But the only other match he had on the weekly program, I believe, is April 8th, another six-man tag main event. And that that did pop a number. Uh, it did like 168,000 viewers, which was substantially larger than what it had, what it had done before. 
or even after. Uh, especially in 1849, I think 1849 versus the media last four weeks was up 66%. So, and, and by the way, people like to talk, I get a lot of mentions whenever I report the impact rating about how this AEW relationship isn't working out. The AEW's 1849 has increased. Um, did I say AEW? Impact's 1849 has increased in the time that it's been interacting with AEW talent versus before. Uh, total viewership has diminished somewhat. You might expect that otherwise, though. You might, you might expect that anyway. But anyway. What I'm getting to here, the lowest viewed quarter for this episode of Impact, even with all of its issues, was the main event, which had, I believe, I'll, I will double check this, but 59,000 viewers. That was the least viewed quarter. So even if there's all this confusion about whether or not Impact is really on tonight, uh, nonetheless, the people who did t- turn it on, uh, 59,000 viewers stuck around out of the uh, average over the course of the program of 69,000. 59,000 of them stuck around for the main event involving Kenny Omega. So I can't, I, I think that, that we'll see what happens next week. If uh, the number is comparable to this number, then you could say, that, well, I don't know if the issues were really that big of a deal. If, if we have another number that's over 100,000 and this just appears to be an anomaly, well, then it's, it's an anomaly. All that aside, I don't know that I can dismiss Kenny Omega didn't, didn't uh, pop a number here. In fact, uh, his quarter hour is the least viewed, which is not that unusual, perhaps, for Impact. Again, the second hour is less viewed than the first hour, but uh, Kenny Omega not bucking the trend here. His previous record as as a as a star and attraction, uh, you know, is is what it is. In this case, this is not a credit to him. All right, uh, we uh, we talked about this past SmackDown, but. Uh the overall for the June 25th SmackDown was 1.971 million, uh, with a 0.54 in 18 to 49. Uh, and you know, that was a number that did slip overall for with a, with a little over 2 million uh, on the 18th with a 0.54 in 1849 as well. Um, raw, uh, on June 28th here, uh, 500, uh, I'm sorry, 1.5, uh, Million with 0.41 uh, in 1849, uh, compared that to the week before with a little over 1.6 with, with a 0.48 in 1849. So a little bit of a actually pretty substantial drop in the 1849 as far as on Raw, uh, this past week. Yes. The 1849, the lowest. Do you, do you have more there? No, no, go. I was going to go on NXT, so go ahead. Raw 1849 was the lowest of the year. This total viewership, 1.57 million viewers. The, Third lowest of all time, I believe. I don't, uh, to be fair, we don't have viewership numbers going all the way back to 1993, but we do have ratings, which you can extrapolate a rough estimate of what viewership is. But I'm pretty confident this is the lowest, the third lowest, third lowest total viewership for Raw ever. Previously be, be previously believed to be the fourth lowest. Uh, if you've been looking at Showbuzz Daily for the last few years and you've been hand jamming those numbers, into your spreadsheet like I have, you would think that it was the fourth lowest. Uh, however, I've learned that in July 2020, Nielsen had an error that caused... So what happened was Nielsen, for some reason, did not record the West Coast feed viewership for the USA Network. In August, apparently they realized this and and made the correction. Uh, so July did not do as badly for NXT and Raw as previously believed, um, I have the updated, corrected numbers in the WrestleNomics viewership spread sheet for patrons if you want to go through and look, go, go back and look at July 2020. Um, so that, so the point is, there was a July 13th, 2020 number that would have been the third lowest. That is no longer one of the lowest. It's a little bit better than, than being that bad. This is, uh, this June 28th number of this year. 1.57 million viewers. That is the third lowest ever. Um, interesting that uh, that happened in July 2020 when there was an earnings call at the very end of July 2020 where Vince McMahon was really getting grilled about ratings <laughs> and uh, by, by analysts on the, on the earnings call. And as it turned out, uh, viewership was not quite as bad in that month. Now, it, it, was, it was, you know, those numbers have not been corrected for June and May and April when things were sliding just as well. Uh, but the July number is not as bad as we had thought at the time anyway. Uh, all right. And uh, NXT 
did 636,000 with a uh, 0.13 in 18-49 compared to the week before, which did 670,000 with a 0.17. So they slipped this week as well. We'll see how they fare next week with the NXT Great American Bash special. Yes, this is the lowest uh, of the Tuesday night run. So NXT continues to uh, show this trend of not doing that much better than it was doing on Wednesday night when it was when it was running head to head with another wrestling program. All right, and then Dynamite returned to Wednesday nights, and uh, I think a pretty solid showing for coming back. Eight hundred eighty-three thousand with a point. 3-5 in 18-49. If you compare that to this Saturday Night Dynamite, which we didn't have the results for last week, but we, we got those this week uh, where it was 650,000 uh, overall with a point two one in the 18-49. So Saturdays were better than the Fridays, but they definitely rebounded here pretty good on the Wednesday. Be back in their slot. Yeah, this is uh on the high end. I think we, we were sort of, uh, I was trying to establish some, you know, what would be a success? What would be a disappointment? This is definitely on the on the high end of normal expectations. I, I would say uh, above nine hundred thousand, I, w- I would would be really really impressive. But eight hundred eighty three thousand is is very good. There were a lot of um, I, I was doubting whether or not AEW would be able to continue to uh, have its its normal audience after having a whole month being preempted, mostly on Friday and then in the last occasion on Saturday. So they. Really sort of disproved any doubt that people like me had about whether or not uh, they were going to regain their audience instantly. Uh, they were going against an NBA conference final game and did just fine anyway. In fact, so it was a NBA playoff game that had a 9 p.m. start. So only the second half of this show won against the NBA game. Uh, despite that, the leading quarter hour was the final quarter hour which was mostly the MJF versus Sammy Guevara match, also included that highlight video that they showed about uh, your Daly's place uh, in the pandemic era. So that uh, that final quarter, though, did 962,000 viewers total, 517,000 of those viewers in 18 to 49. The main event, as much as you might intuitively think that, well, you know, you build this whole show, you, pr- you hype up this main event, and then you deliver it at the end, that that would most often be the leading quarter hour of a program. At least in Dynamite's case, that is not true. I think that's... Maybe it's more often true for NXT, but what what really... Uh, what most often leads these programs in terms of the quarters are the first quarter and the fifth quarter. The first quarter is uh, the, the first quarter of the show, obviously, and that benefits from a lead-in from whatever uh, came before it where you've got a lot of people who maybe just left the TV on from Law & Order or the, the movie that TNT was playing who may may not necessarily have any interest in watching a wrestling show, but they just haven't turned the TV off yet, but their viewership gets averaged into that quarter. Uh, and, and you've got uh, you know people who are anticipating the beginning of the show who may just not uh, be around for the rest of it. So you've got that benefit in Q1. Then in Q5, you've got, you're at the top of another hour where maybe people are done watching whatever was on at, at the eight o'clock block and now their time is freed up and they're, they're, they're turning the channel on again. So it's Q1 and Q5 that more often than any other quarter lead dynamite. I think that is roughly true for NXT as well. Perhaps it's true for other wrestling programs. Um, so point is not every Q8 is, is the leader, uh, in, in the quarter hours. This one was though. So, it was, it bucked that trend and it went against, uh, an NBA conference final game in the second half. So that, that would make it extra challenging. So I think that's uh, a credit to this Sammy Guevara and MGF match. I am very hesitant to ever take, uh, a quarter hour and say, this proves this guy's draw. People want to look at this data. And read it in, into into their fandom about whether so and so was a draw or whether so and so was an anti-draw, as we kind of just uh, alluded to in our discussion of what happened with Impact and Kenny Omega. Uh, but there's, I think there's there's a real takeaway that you can take from this. Consider how they bucked the trend of what usually happens in Q8, which is not the most viewed quarter of the show, and that they the, the second half of the show faced greater competition than the first half of the show. So you'd think that the first half of the show, some quarter in the first half of the show, would, would have really been an advantage to um, to do better than the final quarter of the show. Nonetheless, this was the most viewed quarter of the show. 
in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right. So uh, with that, we can actually move on to your predictions. Fans are coming back, right? We uh, mm-hmm. have a dynamite in front of fans this Wednesday. Uh, you know, and then we're going to have fans in WB crowds in a couple weeks. How much of an effect do you really think it makes on the ratings? Because, you know, you heard the whole thing. Oh, wrestling's hard to watch in front of, you know, no fans or Thunderdome or even, oh, the same fans at Daly's place. Well, now we have live audiences all around the country that, you know, they're going to fill arenas. Do you really think it makes it's going to make that huge of a difference on the ratings? I think it's it's summer. It won't. But that's just me. You you think say that again? Because it's summer, I don't think it's going to be a I giant see. difference. I I don't think after a year and a half the guy goes, you know what? I think I'm going to watch Raw again because now they have fans. So I was I was looking at what the month to month trends usually are, and usually July is up from June, and then August is up from from uh, July. This is I'm, I'm talking about Raw and SmackDown here. Um, I'm only really going to talk about Raw and SmackDown. I did not put a, put a ton of thought into Dynamite or NXT or Impact for that matter. Um, I just sort of went through each week and tried to do a rough prediction of what I think is going to happen, trying to take, take into account holidays and things like that. General overview, I think that there's definitely going to be a short-term bump. Raw, with its first, its, its first uh, event in front of live fans, will, will pop a pretty big number over what it, what it had been doing in the weeks leading up to it. SmackDown, same thing. I, I still tend to think, I don't know this, but I, I think they're going to, bring out John Cena, probably advertise him ahead of time. And uh, hope maybe he'll start a program off with uh, Roman Reigns heading towards SummerSlam. Um, so I think there's going to be a short-term boost. And I think after that, and we'll kind of get into, into why here when we talk about the MPS in a minute. Uh, I, I think this program, uh, these both of these programs are, are just not good enough and don't uh, make people feel like watching them enough to to sustain a long-term increase in ratings versus their trends uh, over the last year and a half during the pandemic. 
Um, I was talking to someone who is probably in touch with what W investors feel. And I think W investors are really feeling that they're going to have an increase in ratings. Uh, like we were talking about earlier in July 2020, Vince was grilled on the earnings call about ratings and the belief excuse is that, well, once we get fans back in attendance and, you know, the, the Thunderdome was partly to address that. And the Thunderdome did coincide with the reparation of, uh, of ratings to some degree. But I think investors are really expecting a major boost in ratings. Uh, this person I was talking to said that they better get a major boost in ratings or some investors will freak out. Um, but I think what's going to happen is July, let's talk about what the averages were for June. In June, Raw averaged, I'm just going to talk about total viewership here. Raw averaged uh, 1.67 million viewers. 1.67 million for Raw. SmackDown averaged uh, about 2 million flat. Just don't, just under 2 million flat, which I think is the, the first time that the average comes in below 2 million on Fox. Um, I think in July, about 1.7 million for Raw. 2.1 million for SmackDown. So they're both up. This is with the second half of the month only, uh, including live event, live fans in attendance again. And then in August, 1.75 million for Raw, 1.20 million for SmackDown. And then in September, uh, we'll start to get back into the season of Monday Night Football in the case of, uh, Raw. And I see it falling about 1.60 million for Raw. And then maybe SmackDown. I feel like man, this is being generous, but SmackDown staying up above 2.1 million. Consider they may have, uh, might have John Cena throughout August. Um, but then I see it really slipping, uh, for Raw down to 1.5 million. Uh, SmackDown getting to 2 million flat again, getting under 2 million in December. SmackDown, uh, the way the calendar works this year, SmackDown is going to land on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So those ratings almost certainly are going to plunge unless there's like a football game lead in or something like that again that I'm not aware of, which is always possible. But, uh, yeah, I, I see Raw doing, uh, doing 1.5 million through, through the prime of the, the football season. So that will be, it will be scraping record lows again in the football season. I kind of, now I, to be fair, I expected that to happen, um, last year and it did not go as badly uh, as, as I expected. Uh, and I think that's partly thanks to the Thunderdome. You can remember like through the summer where they were panicking with things like raw underground, uh, and things of that nature that didn't work out and were pretty short lived. Uh, yeah, there will be no, uh, Christmas Eve from what I could gather uh, for NFL this year. They're doing Christmas day, uh, okay. with it being on a, uh, that was Saturday. And I don't think there's going to be any college football. There was, so it was, a, going it was Christmas a Christmas day. day, Christmas day NFL game that gave smack on the giant lead in. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, and you, uh, working due diligently over there at WrestleNomics headquarters, uh, with the net promoter score survey. Uh, what have we gathered from this? I can hear the music playing. You probably can't hear this though. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you hear that? You don't hear that. Do you? I've got to mute this. No, there we go. So I did another net promoter score study. Try and do this quarterly. Um, basically, if you don't know, I take a, I, I take out a Facebook ad and I put it on Facebook and try to get people to click on this Google form. They go in and they take this survey. They ask you a question. They, they being me, asks you a question. How likely would you be to recommend this program to a friend? Uh, rate, rate it zero to five. Zero being I definitely wouldn't and five being, being I definitely would. Uh, and I ask you if you are, how often you, you watch the show. So primarily I want to look at people who, who are currently watching regularly. Whatever that means to you, I mean, it's not quantified, but the options are, do you, are you currently watching it regularly? Are you currently watching it occasionally? Uh, did you used to watch it regularly or occasionally? And the fourth option is I've never watched it. So I want to take, again, I want to take the people who currently watch it regularly. These are the people who are most engaged. These are the people who should be the most in touch with how to feel about the program. And they should, in fact, be the people who are most likely to give a positive response, right? I would recommend this because I'm investing my own time in it. I might be more, more likely than somebody who's not investing their time in it to recommend it to somebody else. So result we get a uh, big takeaway. Raw ends up giving a negative net promoter score. Uh, the net promoter score is you take the people who uh, rated a five. In this case, this is our formulation. 
I would like to do a 10 point scale if we can work out a way that I can get a 10 point scale onto a Google form in a way that is readable, uh, without having to scroll. Uh, basically you take the, the, the percentage of five responses and from that you subtract the percentage of zero to three responses, which are said to be detractors. And, uh, and then you get the net promoter score out of that. It's supposed to be a predictor of revenue growth. Uh, and I would say in this case, fan sentiment. Not something that I distributed just on my, on my social media feed among people who are just W haters, but something that I put on Facebook, presumably people who have no, no connection to, to WrestleNomics. Uh, so raw doing a negative number, uh, just under, just under zero, negative 0 0.06. Uh, SmackDown did a positive 0.19. NXT did a positive 0.48. AEW did a positive 0.58. I can read these numbers off. It's probably not that interesting in audio, but you can go to WrestleLongs.com and, and read the article that is free out there for everybody. Uh, everybody, the responses, I would say, were more negative than, than I mean, that's just, I, I don't have to say that. That's just uh, sort of mathematically true. Uh, everybody's number in those four was were down. I, I did test this for Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Uh, sample sizes are pretty small, though, so let's not get deep into it here. Uh, you can see the numbers for whatever they're worth in the article. Uh, everybody's number was a little bit down in this quarter versus the previous two quarters. Uh, but, but AEW still the most positive. And I think that, I mean, that reflects my intuition. Maybe there's something about me and my, and my, uh, bias that, uh, that makes this the case. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, I, the, the interests that I choose are WWE interest. There's actually not an AEW, uh, option yet. Probably just because AEW is too new still. Uh, there are, there's a new Japan option, a, uh, I'm talking about interests here. When you build the ad, there's an impact interest, there's WE interest, there's an NXT interest. And I, I select all of those, including other things like John Cena and Chris Jericho. Um, I used emojis in the ad this time. That seems to, to, uh, oh, that seems to, this is the biggest sample size too, by the way, that we've had in, in the, in the three times that we've done this. So the, the sample, what was the sample, by the way? It's different for every show because every show has a different number of people who say they are current regular viewers. Uh, but the, the sample uh, for the four major programs, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, uh, was the, the lowest was for NXT with 218 samples. The highest was for SmackDown with 307 samples. So in the future, too. And by the way, this is not free. Obviously, I have to take out an ad. This is all thanks to the subscribers, supporters of WrestleNomics that we were able to get, get the biggest sample size ever. And hopefully in the future, we will continue to grow that sample size as we're able to invest more heavily into, uh, into a Facebook ad. I would like to, to do a, maybe a Google ad or something as, as well. I have, I've, I've sat down and tried to on one occasion and I was, Facebook ads are, are complicated enough. It took me like two hours to build this Facebook ad. It was, it was such a pain. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. It's... <laughs> uh... Speaking of data, we have a lot of data here at WrestleNomics. And let, me, let me just add, though, well, how I was trying to connect that in the ratings discussion. The, re the reason why I think that the ratings aren't, it's going to be a short-term boost. Boom, numbers going to go up, and then the show is going to be bad again, in the case of Raw and SmackDown. And that's why you're not going to maintain the audience, because people who are, they're willing to check it out, are going to check it out, because, oh, okay, crowds are back. Let's check it out. Let's see what it's like. Uh, check it out maybe a week, two weeks, maybe three weeks, and then you kind of get turned off again and you go back to get on with your life. <laughs> so <laughs> just data like this makes me think that, uh, it's not just my taste and opinion. I think there's, you know, and maybe it's the people on the internet who are just like, I mean, everybody's on the internet. Who's not on the internet? Uh, I, I think that's the, that's representative of the general fan viewer customer sentiment right now is that, uh, if you, if you invest time in it, the S Dynamite has a smaller audience, about half of the audience of Raw or SmackDown. But, um, but there's, you know, W has tremendous brand, brand recognition. But I think the general response to it, uh, is that it's not a great show and it doesn't captivate audiences as much as it could. Anyway. All right. So, like I said, we love our data here, WrestleNomics, and something that you've been, uh, compiling. For, for months now, the Google uh, Trends, and uh, you have some highlights on on what we're seeing on Google Trends uh, for the month of June. Yeah, we don't have to spend forever on this, but we did this last month, so I don't want to labor it too much. But other highlights here, well, W again, 
is massively above everybody. This is worldwide Google web search. WWE is the leader by far among the wrestling companies in the world. The number two company for Google web search volume is AEW, which is doing a fraction. Uh, what's 61 divided by eight? That's, that's the number of times, uh, WWE is, is doing more volume than AEW. So if I take, let's see here, 6.14, which is their, their number and divide 8. that. 8.4 for AEW. 8.4. They're doing seven times the Google web search of AEW. WWE is seven times. So again, I, I think, what does this really mean? I think this represents mind share. I think it represents how much people are thinking about something. And I think people are thinking, yeah, that's probably about right. People are thinking about WWE and it's, and it's various IP and nostalgia as well as current stuff about seven times greater than, than AEW. Um, I, I sorted out for, and I did this for people as well. Uh, again, I think this gives you an idea how much the average person is thinking about a given wrestler. Uh, I, I put in just people who I arbitrarily deemed active, uh, Roman Reigns. Of course, is the leader by multiples over the number two guy, Randy Orton. Uh, it goes Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Alexa Bliss, and at number five, even though she's not on TV at, in, in this month, this is for June, uh, Sasha Banks at number five. Uh, interesting that Bobby Lashley is among the strongest growth trends. I also do a who's got the strongest positive trend here over the course of eight months? Bobby Lashley at number one for WWE. Um, we're talking about AEW. We did this for AEW as well. Big Show is still by far the leader, now followed by Mark Henry, and then John Moxley was the the number three, probably the, you know, the the leader among active wrestlers for AEW, followed by Chris Jericho, Sting, and one Manuel Alfonso Andrade, and Oro 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 Oro. His his name is cut off here. Um, that is, that is Andra- Andrade. Andrade, of course. <laughs> um, and he is also the person with the strongest trend. And I think that's, that, that though has a lot to do with his, uh, move from WWE to AEW. Uh, but Britt Baker, again, as she was last month, uh, has a strong positive trend as well. Uh, followed by Jake Roberts, for some reason. Jake Roberts, the budding star. And Jungle Boy, uh, has the fourth strongest trend. Was the uh, Dark Side of the Ring earlier this month, or was that May? I don't know. That's, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's because if June point. was if the first week of June was Dark Side of the Ring, and remember he was also on the Treasures. All right, all right. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So there's that, and we have New Japan. Hiroshi Tanahashi leads this month uh, for the second consecutive month, uh, followed by Leo Rush. I guess because he retired again. <laughs> <laughs> followed by Kazuchika Okada. And number and number four, Tai Chi. Why? Uh, that that one's interesting. You, you I, I mean, you would actually think Shingo. I mean, five. Shing- but I would actually think he'd be, he'd be a li- he would be at like four. Yes. But Shingo's Shingo's next at number five. Shingo also has the strongest growth trend uh, because he just won the, the title. So there's that. Uh, Osprey has the number no, number two strongest growth trend. So that's that's Google Web Search. All right. Uh, move on to some news we have regarding uh, AAA and uh, Lucha Libre FMF, FMV. Sorry. Uh, so um, real, real quick, Lucha Libre yeah. FMV is the parent company behind Lucha Underground. Yes. And aren't they basically AAA a USA pretty much too? That's what this. Dis- they- that's what this dispute is about. Okay. Um, yeah. Lucha Libre FMV made an agreement at least in their view, to the rights for everything AAA in the United States. So they're upset that AAA is trying to monetize um, in the United States, and they have to resolve this dispute somehow. Yeah, there's actually a live show in uh, in the New York, New Jersey area very shortly, within the next month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the AAA will be in New York. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, uh, here's what we got from Lucha Blog. Uh, FMV had until today to show they were still pursuing the case. Today, today being when, when, when he tweeted this, <laughs> um, Tuesday or Wednesday or something. Yeah. 
Uh, they still are working to serve AAA uh, the lawsuit in Mexico, which they believe will take 6 to 12 months. The lawsuit is going to be a year old before it even starts. Uh, AAA and FMV last discussed a settlement in March. Uh, FMV claims that AAA's lawyer said he'd come back with the new settlement offer, then has stopped responding and accused the AAA side of just trying to get the clock to run out. Uh, AAA and MVB could settle uh, if they could agree upon a number, but there's no sign of that's coming or anyone's really trying hard for that. Uh, the lawsuit is going to drag into 2022 and likely 2023, and the geo blocks will stay up until that's fixed. Uh, Triple Mania on August 14th is free to stream regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing to, really to add there, but we, I thought we should mention that. Um, All right, uh, and we will go from Mexico to Japan, and uh, the finances of uh, Bushi Road. Um, did I pronounce that correctly? Bushi Bushi Road. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Yeah. Uh, with their sports uh, division revenue, which is New Japan and Stardom. Yes. Do you want to break into that? Yes. So my understanding, I've asked I've asked about this to, to confirm in the Voices of Wrestling Slack. Uh, I don't know if anybody has confirmed it yet, but I believe so so Bushi Road so there's the sports division. Bushi Road is a is a pretty big company that includes a lot of different uh businesses. Uh Yes, in June 2020, they sold their knockout kickboxing business that used to be included in this sports division. And now it includes, you know, it is, it's always included New Japan. And then when they acquired stardom, it, st- it began to include stardom as well. Um, so what we have here is the latest public report, uh, and for, for Bushi Road, uh, reporting on the revenues, uh, for the sports division. So we don't get this broken out. Which part of it is, New Japan, which part of it is stardom? We don't know. Uh, but revenues for the sports division, uh, the most recently completed quarter, uh, they have a fiscal year that is not, that is not the calendar year, but the, uh, Q3 for them, uh, is April to June. So the month of June that just ended, uh, how do, how do I say this? 1.214 billion yen, which comes out to 10, 10.9 million US dollars. Uh, that's below, but, but not that far off of what they were doing pre pandemic. Um, they were doing an, in Q1 2020, which is October to December 2019, which would be the last quarter not touched by the pandemic, $13.2 million in, in US dollars. Uh, so again, yeah, this most recent, recently completed quarter, 10.9 million, quarter before that, 13.1 million. So, I'm actually not sure where, where stardom begins to be included in here. I should have uh, looked into that, but not that far off, despite doing very limited uh, live events uh, in terms of capacity, what they're able to, uh, to sell tickets for. Uh, as we always say here, New Japan is not a media business to the extent that WB or AEW are, uh, despite being the third biggest company, uh, wrestling company in the world. Their revenues last, I got any information that I, you know, thought was meaningful uh about, about half of their revenue is from ticket sales still they probably get some money they're, they're partly owned by tv asahi which is their broadcaster uh but uh it's not as if they get enormous tv rights fees um they're probably getting something probably not that much from roku to put, to put their some of their content on roku uh <laughs> but uh you know and they do have new japan world which might be their biggest uh source of source of media revenue uh we think Somewhere under a hundred thousand subscribers, something like that, for for New Japan World worldwide, paying nine hundred ninety nine yen, just under ten dollars a month. So, New Japan. I mean, at least in terms of these revenues, New Japan and Stardom seem to be doing. They're not doing what they were doing pre-pandemic, but uh, maybe not that badly either. Uh, in terms of profitability, though, um, they don't break that out for the sports division. They break out profitability with the music division. So. I'm uh, hesitant to try to draw any conclusions about the profitability of, of these wrestling businesses here. All right. And uh, so uh, some information, you know, regarding this, uh, this was passed along uh, by Justin Nipper translated from uh, Ledette's official website. Uh, Are you familiar? Are exist- you familiar with, with the promotion Gleet? I am not. You're not familiar with the, the new promotion Gleet? Um. See, I thought like, and when I'm looking at the notes, I'm like, "What is Gleet?" Hmm. All right, it here is we a go. New... Some Japanese. So, all right, so this is about Gleet. 
Do you know? Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Do you know why it's called Gleet? I do not. I think. Now, this is the name that they chose for themselves. I, I, I understand that is because they're. It's, it's a play on words of great, and how some people pronounce the word great. I think. Mm. Well, uh, they've officially existed on the books for one year and a. Eight months. This is like said from Justin Nipper. Uh, the reported uh, capital is around 10 million yen, which is around uh, 90,000 uh, US dollars. Uh, 67 employees work for the company as of March 2021. To put that in perspective, New Japan Pro Wrestling has about 150 employees, while All Japan has between 15 to 20. They've occurred uh, 1.458 million yen, approximately about 13,128 US dollars as of March second 2021 i mean it, it this company so yeah it um so it was founded by uh, a former pro wrestling no apparent company ladette so it, is this is this trying to be like a national promotion in japan or does this seem like another indie promotion I, in I, I, I don't there are people who know far more about the modern state of, of japanese wrestling than i do who you should listen to uh like John Carroll and, and the voice of wrestling flagship where, they, where they've talked about this half of, I under, understand half of the card is UWFI style matches, work shoot style matches. Okay. Um, I, th- I think they're trying to be a major company. That's my impression. But, uh, a lot of employees been on the books for a long time before they put on a show. I don't know, <laughs> but, but there's, there's, Maybe. there's some information. Well, uh, We'll see if they're a national promotion or our friends at uh, Between the Sheets would call another Japanese indie scum promotion. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So with with that, that looks like that is the week. Do you have any indie bookings coming up? Professional wrestling. Do I have what? Do you have any indie bookings coming up? Yeah. Uh, so we'll go on a schedule. Uh, this Saturday coming up. July 10th, I'm going to be in Morristown, New Jersey. Wow. Uh, or Williamstown. I always get a mess of Williamstown, New Jersey, uh, at the HGO facility for NFW, uh, ring announcing there. So, uh, anybody in the New York, New Jersey, Philly area, come out to that. That'll be a good show. Uh, there's, uh, uh Allen Five Angels from, uh, the Dark Order will be on the show. And, uh, you know, Marcus Mathers, Dylan McKay, a few, uh, high, young high flyers. So, uh, and then, uh, I'm, uh, the 31st, uh, I will uh, be at in Buffalo, my hometown, Riverworks for Empire State Wrestling. Uh, and there's a you know, I have MMA booking on the 24th for Ground Force Fights and some comedy dates and everything, too, which you can get found on all my social media. But, yeah, July 31st. Uh, and I, I heard a rumor that, that maybe, maybe we will see a Brandon Thurston match on that show. What, what, what are the sources of this rumor? Let me guess. Let me guess. The sources of this rumor could it have been the Good Brother group chat? <laughs> I, I, I cannot disclose my sources. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about sources here on WrestleNomics. I'm sorry. I crossed the line. Yes, this has not been announced, but we there might be an announcement at some time in the future. Maybe even by the time you hear this, this audio. Uh, we'll see. But uh, I did. I, I will say this. I, I trained again this past week. I, I ran some. I did some some ring work. Uh, did some drills and whatnot. And by God, I got blown up. I, I just. I, I like did some drills and stuff. And luckily, I was working with uh, some some newer students who, you know, are still working on their fundamentals. And we had to stop <laughs> because I had to like just put my forehead down on on the top rope and, and catch my breath <laughs> for a while. Uh, so. Yeah, I've, I've, I will continue to to train hard and get my body ready again. All right, and uh, yeah, I mean, as as far as uh, me, social media plugs: Chris Gullo, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But rediscovering the Indies, we just came out with our last part of the XPW deep dive uh, that came out uh, this past Wednesday. So you could find all the info uh, on our Twitter, our TI pod, as well as our Instagram and Facebook, which are rediscovering Indies, but check out the podcast. It was a lot of fun. We talk, you'll enjoy this because I know they like when I bring up fun facts. So WWE, this was reported by the observer at one point wanted to bring Rob Black in as an expert witness when they were being sued by Nicole Bass. Wow. Because he would have worked for her when she said she couldn't work because she was too injured. 
Or I mean, she, she, uh, yeah, he, I'm sorry. She would have worked for him. Was that a McDivitt's idea or how did that come to be? <laughs> I'm not sure. And there wasn't a ton of info on it, but it just fascinates me. It's, yeah, bring, bring Rob Black in. <laughs> Get him in it. <laughs> I just, I could imagine that meeting. Um, so I, I think yeah, what, uh, what you've done here is you remember, so with ECW, you've, uh, we had all these ECW reprisals, but really it was brought back to life by the ECW DVD. The, the ECW DVD, which is, you know, a great documentary about ECW and, you know, the DVD area, you'd have all these matches on it as well. And that, that sold really well. It was very popular. And that led, the success of that, I, I, the legend has it, and I believe really led to the one night stand pay-per-view, which was very successful as well. Uh, and they did another one. And then eventually they did the whole brand of WWE ECW. And I, th- I, so I think, so the ECW DVD is to ECW as, as the, uh, <laughs> RTI podcast is to XPW, would you, would you not agree? Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I think it's really going to get blown up when they do the dark side of the ring. But uh, uh, I, I mean, I know, I know a lot has got a lot of interest. I know that the that's our Mongo Twitter handle was tweeting out XPW uh, clips, and because he heard us talk about it, he's like, oh. "I'm going to go find some XPW clips." God. And uh, so maybe, and that got really viral. So maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we have reading. I don't like to take all the credit though, especially if Rob Black does. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it credit. I, I wouldn't call it credit as much as I would take no credit. <laughs> no, but I would take no credit or no blame if Rob Black brings a bunch of canceled people for his wrestling promotion. <laughs> yes. So anyway, so, that's all. Uh, you yeah. can you can uh, subscribe if you have not already to the Russellonix Patreon, patreoncom slash so You get access to the Russellonix viewership spreadsheet as well as uh, whatever I report for the week lately. I've been reporting a lot of ratings. Uh, you can go to russellonix.com and read the Net Promoter Score article that we mentioned here in this podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. You can follow Russellonix. I'm supposed to say the Russellonix first. You can follow Russellonix on Twitter at Russellonix. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gellin. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.